everybody. My name is Stephanie. I'm one of the pastors here at Mill City, and I see a few new faces. And I know for a fact that there's some people who uh, live in this part of the neighborhood who have come to worship with us because you saw some signs. And so welcome if you're one of those people. I know I met a couple people, but I know there's some others. Thank you for coming today. Um, we're going to continue on in this conversation, the art of neighboring. I also want to give a special welcome, like JD just did too, to the, the Mighty Millers and the Mill, which is our junior high ministry. Can I hear you, Mighty Millers? Mill, where are you? Come on. No, you can't raise your hand. I said here. Hi. She's, okay. Somebody, somebody just wooed on their behalf. Like I can see them, but they're just looking at me like, oh my gosh. We, we really, really value the, the generations here in our community. And so our kids are really important. They're not an afterthought. They're not people that we want to, to have to always be apart from us. But we love them, so sometimes we want them to have opportunities to hear from people other than, than us adults that sometimes they tell me are a little bit boring, okay? So, but we love you kids, and we're so glad that you're with us for this month. We thought it would be fun to have our elementary students with us and our junior high students, so... Let's pray together before we look into God's word. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for this space that we are in right now. We do not take it for granted. And we, we thank you for the restoration that you're doing at Sheridan School right now. As I walked through yesterday, everything's torn up, and you have uh, given funds and resources and allowed for there to be new green space outside of Sheridan. We thank you for that, God, and we pray that you would be in the work of those who are restoring that space uh, for the students this fall. And we pray for this school, God. We pray for the students that are coming through here, filling these hallways every day for summer school right now. We pray, God, that you would be with them, that you would allow your presence to make a difference in their lives. We thank you for the privilege that it is to be here um, and to worship here freely. It's in Jesus' name we pray all this. Amen. Jesus often ended up finding himself in these situations where people were confronting him and trying to pick a fight with him. So I don't know if you're one of those people who people are trying to pick fights with you all the time, but this was what Jesus' life was like. And so he was experiencing all these people trying to pick a fight with him one of these times. And in the book of Mark, there's a story starting in verse 28. I'm just going to read it. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, or people picking a fight with Jesus. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, Of all the commandments, what is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no, greater, no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions or pick any more fights with him. You are not far from the kingdom of God. If you think about what that means, to me, that is enough motivation to have the conversation about the art of neighboring. If this great commandment we're calling the loving God and loving neighbor, really it's one big commandment. If the great commandment is the thing that allows you to not be far from the kingdom of God, then I think it's compelling to say, what does it mean for this to be our greatest priority? So over these last few weeks, we've been having this conversation. We're actually going to finish it up today. And this idea that if we 
draw ourselves close to the people who are right around us than what it might mean for the kingdom of God to be near to us, the way that Jesus describes. So as we've been having this conversation, we've, we've had a few fun things. So we've, first of all, just defined what we mean by neighbor. In this specific conversation, we are taking this word neighbor and we're looking at the micro level, not the mid-level or the macro level, but micro. The people who you spend most of your time around. The people who you spend most of your time around, specifically where you live, work, learn, or recreate, so where you rest. And we talked a little bit about how these chairs, they've come to kind of symbolize in our community, putting yourself out in, the, in your front yard or in a spot where you might normally see neighbors a little bit more. It might not be your front yard for all of you, but some of you, you know, putting chairs out here, you might see people you wouldn't otherwise see. But maybe in your work, it's uh, being willing to have lunch with everybody in the break room instead of in your office or trying to connect around the water cooler and asking one more question and not just talking about the latest episode of whatever, but trying to go just a little bit deeper. I don't know but you put yourself in one of these places. And so we've been talking about this and saying, here's the big question that we're asking. We've been asking for the last few weeks. What if Jesus wants us to love our actual neighbors? Like what if he meant our literal actual people right around us? And so that's kind of the, the point of this, this conversation. So you'll notice that there's some flamingos up here. And if you don't know why, I'm gonna explain it to you. Also, babe, can you take a picture of me with the flamingos? I'm never gonna preach behind flamingos ever again, I don't think. Like, this is, a, this is a moment. We need to capture it. So we've been trying to have a little bit of fun with this conversation. So uh, a few weeks ago, people were able to take a little magnet, and it had a bingo on it. And the bingo was like neighborhood bingo. See if you can do all the things. Um, we still have a few left to do on ours, but a lot of people were able to do all of them already. I've given away some flamingos. If you have completed your bingo, you get a flamingo. It's really fun. You can have one. And you can maybe pass it on. I don't know. Um, and they'll be here all summer, friends. Not on the stage, but we'll have them. So if you need your flamingo a few weeks from now, I got you, all right? And we've also been just talking about how uh, we can be more intentional in this with, with each other. And so there's going to be a class starting on Wednesday night. I know there's already eight of you signed up to do this class. It's going to be online, okay, with me. And we're going to talk about this book a little bit that we base this conversation off. It's called The Art of Neighboring. If you don't have the book, you can still join the class on Wednesday. You just need to go to millcitychurch.com and sign up. Um, it's going to be really fun. I think it's ironic that we're doing it online since we're talking about physically being in your place. But we're still doing it that way. So it's also at 8 o'clock at night because uh, kids. So please join us. I'm so pumped about the people who are already doing it. Uh, just sign up online and we'll, we'll get that info to you. So as we finish up this conversation today, I thought... I would end with the fun, light topic of how to overcome the obstacles that we face in the art of neighboring. That was a joke. It's not light and, and fluffy that, as much as I'd want it to be. But to make it a little bit better, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you some stories, because that's fun, right? And then we'll talk practically about the obstacles, and then I'm going to leave you with some kind of uh, questions to take with us. Because as this conversation is ending, it, this is something that's so core. We said this at the beginning. This is so core to who we are as Mill City Church, that wherever we are, this is how we see ourselves and our identity. So I'll send you off with some questions, okay? So let's start with some stories. Um, I mentioned when, I, uh, when we started this conversation that I am new to my neighborhood that I live in right now. So it's brand new to me in just the last year. And I admitted that there were I had that were a little bit, um, I was feeling a little bit negative about the fact that I had just moved from a neighborhood that I had tried to do the art of neighboring for like seven years and invested a lot of my, my time and my effort and my love in that neighborhood. And so I was feeling kind of disheartened about having to start over. And I, I asked people, I'm going to ask you again, how many of people here have moved in the last three years? 
Okay, so everyone who's raising their hand can somehow empathize with me of like starting again. And so I was feeling kind of negative. So this was really encouraging to me to say, okay, we're going to do this with everybody else. I'm going to get to know the neighbors. So uh, I just prayed about it, first of all. And I talked to my husband about it. And we were like, let's see what we can do in this next month just to try a little bit harder. We'd only met a few people. And we, I, I mean, it's crazy. I could tell you stories of how many things just kind of happened just right in front of us, almost like we weren't trying. For instance, we're driving home from a coffee shop, and as we pull up, we see these two neighbors, the ones we actually had gotten to know, Penny and Patty, their sisters, and they, I can't tell the difference between the two of them, don't tell them that. And Penny and Patty, I can't, I don't know whose name is who. They're struggling, they're clearly struggling with something, and there's like a, a van outside their house, and we pull up, and I'd say, uh-oh, and then we get out, and I say, hey, do you guys need help? And they both look up at us, and they say, yes! We need help. And basically what they were doing was putting this makeshift ramp up the front stairs so that their 93-year-old mother could be pushed up this ramp and into their house. She'd just come home from a few months of physical therapy and never leave the house. And so we helped this ramp because it really took four people to make it work. And we got her in the house. And I met the grandma, their, their mom, for the first time. And she was, I was like, oh, maybe you can be my neighborhood grandma. And I was talking to her, and she was like, you will come over, won't you? And, and she, it was just, it was really cute. But, I mean, we weren't planning that. It wasn't like maybe we could just hide behind the bushes, and when Penny and Patty need help, we're ready. Like, it wasn't the idea. That wasn't, it was just praying about maybe some opportunities. So there was a ton of opportunities like that. And then um, my wonderful husband was like, let's invite the whole neighborhood to our house. And um, our house is, like, the size of like just what you can see on this stage. It's very small. So we were just banking on good weather, and we had some friends coming in from Colorado, and they're going to play a concert in our backyard. So we went around, and we introduced ourselves to as many neighbors as were there. And for two pretty extroverted, outgoing people, we were still nervous about it. We hadn't barely met anybody. And when you knock on people's doors, they look at you like, what do you want? Right? And so then we're like, we've got a flyer. We're having a concert. We'll have bratwursts. Like, we're just... It was, it was awkward half the time. We, we started really awkwardly half the time. And, uh, but I noticed some things, okay? I noticed that I'd say probably two-thirds of our neighbors are over 50. And then the people who are younger are, like, much younger, like people in their early 20s. But most of the people are over 50, so I thought that was interesting. And there was also quite a few women living in houses by themselves. And a couple of these women, within the first three minutes, like, went really deep about things in their life. Like, they're sharing these things. And so I don't know what that means, but I wonder about, like, maybe people are feeling kind of lonely or kind of isolated. And, uh, and we went around, and we got everybody's names, and we wrote them down because I have a horrible time remembering names. And we're going to make a little map so that we can remember where everybody is. And so this was, our, this was our story, our neighboring story from this last few weeks. And I asked a bunch of you guys on Facebook, what, what are some of your neighboring stories? And I got some good ones. Um, Ryan May that he was at a park with his kids and it got really hot and he deals with MS and he was feeling like delirious and a neighbor came out of nowhere, noticed and helped him to his car and got him home safe. And then Ryan went back and, and gave a shout out to that guy on, the, on Facebook and called him a good Samaritan, right, from what we're talking about. Uh, Tom Rayburn was telling me that he went up in a tree with his neighbor who's also named Tom and they were up in this tree cutting down the branches that were hanging from your tree over that guy's house, right? So that guy had a vested interest in you not screwing that up because the branches were hanging over his house. So you guys are up in a tree for three hours getting to know each other, and then you invited him in for what you just started this little, little business called Tom's Macaroons, right, Tom? Raise your hand, Tom. If you want Tom's rac Tom, raise your hand. There he is. If you want Tom's Macaroons, they're organic, 100% organic. All right. 
So he, he made some friends, and they ate together. It was awesome. The Buck family just moved into a new neighborhood, and they were like, our house is still not where, the way we want it to be, but we had people over almost every day over the holiday weekend, and it was so fun, even though it was a mess. I don't think it was a mess, but that's what they said. Um, and then, I, I love this one. Karis was telling me that she said, she put out an email to her neighbors and said, it's the longest day of the year. If anybody wants to come hang out, let's do it. And she was a little nervous about it, but then people did. She was like, wow, I didn't realize it was going to be so easy. And one neighbor who didn't know her very well I asked her if she knew Jesus. So maybe that guy's church is doing the art of neighboring. I think if he would have gotten to know you, he might have noticed something more about you. And, you know, but you knew. You told him. You said, yes, I do. I know him. Yeah. That's good. So, uh, and then this is one of my favorite ones that I heard. Danielle, who works in night shift as a nurse, she said that she was doing yard work at 2.30 in the morning. And so she's out in her yard, 2.30 in the morning, and the neighbor comes home from the bar and decides before going in to just have a smoke break in his front yard. And she decides to have some courage at 2.30 in the morning in the dark and says, hello. And they talked till 5 a.m., she said. 5 o'clock in the morning. She was going to be up anyway. And maybe he was too. But they talked till 5 in the morning. She said, this person could not be more different than me. He's so different than me, but we had so much to talk about. It was so interesting, and we talked till 5 o'clock in the morning. That was my favorite story. There's actually a little bit more to the story, but you're going to have to ask Danielle about that one because this is going on the Internet. So I bet there's a ton more stories from all of you, and I genuinely would love to hear them. But this is something that we've been about for a long time. It's something we focus on every summer because it's so core to who we are. And you guys do it. And it's awesome. And the stories are amazing. And I love hearing them. It's so important to share those stories. But if we're going to do this, if this is going to be our lifestyle, some of you already know this, it means uh, we do have to surrender. We have to give up some of what maybe we'd want to choose. We have to, to give the leadership of our lives over to Jesus. I mean, if it's the greatest commandment, you think, if it's going to be our greatest priority, it's going to take some relying on Jesus' leadership in our life to be able to do it. We absolutely have to. So I've been working on this idea of the art of neighboring with all of you for, for years now. And there's some things that I have noticed over the years that are pretty consistent as far as the, the obstacles that we have to overcome. The things that kind of get in the way of even well-intentioned, like, yes, I want to do the art of neighboring, but there's barriers that we have. There's obstacles that we have to overcome. So I want to address a few of those today because Sometimes just naming them and, and plainly talking about them can really help us. And then it helps us not be surprised when those obstacles come up. So hopefully you'll resonate with what I'm saying today. And I want to look at a, chap a passage called Luke, from Luke 10 that we actually use here a lot at Mill City to talk about how to do the art of neighboring. So if the great commandment is to love God and love our neighbor, Jesus has some advice almost, I think, that comes to us through this passage because he's giving these advice and these these tips and these ideas to his disciples when he's sending them out. So if you've been around Mill City, you, you've heard of us talk about this passage before. And, and I would say that this is the place where we can get some advice, some tips, right from Jesus, who's giving us the commandment on how to overcome the obstacles, okay? So I'm going to read Luke 10, 1 through 11. And what I want you to listen for is the tips that Jesus gives that might help us as we're stepping out into the art of neighboring, okay? Listen for the tips that Jesus shares as he's giving these specific instructions to the disciples 2,000 years ago. So uh, after this, the, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. 
Go, I am sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and you are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God has come near. You hear that again? The kingdom of God. You are not far from the kingdom of God, Jesus says to the scribe, to the teacher of the law. Here he says, tell them the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is near. When I hear this passage, I, I think about the advice that Jesus is giving to these early disciples as they're just figuring it out for the very first time, which is how we often feel. And I think there's three main obstacles. So you might disagree with these three. You might say, oh, I have other obstacles. You might say, I don't have any obstacles, which then you can help us all. But I think there's three. And I'm kind of order them in the order of the least biggest problem down to the biggest problem, okay, in my opinion. So once again, it's okay if you disagree. So I think that this is a big problem, but not the biggest, and that is fear. Fear. That's a, that's a scared guy up there. I think that it goes without saying that it takes courage to practice the art of neighboring. It takes courage for everybody, whether you're introverted or extroverted, whether you feel like you like to have, you know, the, the surface conversations to get to know people or you don't know what to ask and you end up talking about the weather for five minutes. It's, everybody, it takes courage for everybody, okay? Even for extroverted people. So I think there's a few things we're afraid of. The first one I think we're afraid of, myself included, is awkwardness. Is anybody willing to admit they're a little bit afraid of awkwardness? See, yeah, it's okay. It's a safe place. So it's interesting that we're so afraid of awkwardness, but I think we are. It's hard to know, like, okay, I'm going to go into this situation, and there's a good chance it's going to be awkward. And I want to tell you, like, when you're doing the art of neighboring, there's a good chance it's going to be awkward. But the reality is, is that it, it's good for us. Why? Because we get a little bit addicted to being comfortable. And being put out of our comfort zone, even just a little bit, is so good for us as people. It helps us to grow. And in this passage, we hear Jesus saying, I'm sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. So it could be worse, okay? Wolves, all right? Like, I didn't know any wolves. Nobody seemed like a wolf, metaphorically, to me when we met our neighbors. But Jesus is saying, yes, it could be dangerous. It could be awkward, but it's worth doing. Jesus gives a great tip here in regards to the awkwardness, and I think that it's that he sends people out in pairs. He's not asking people to do it alone. In fact, anytime Jesus sends people out, they're always in a group or with at least one other person. And so who is that person in your life? It was way easier for me and JD to do it together. Honestly, I actually don't think either of us would have done it without the other person, to be honest. I used to do this with my roommates, and I'd grab one of them and say, let's do it. A lot of you say that you find another neighbor, actually, who is interested in trying to do neighboring, and you do it together. Michelle Brett shared that story a few weeks ago, finding other people to do it with you. So I think that's a big part of overcoming the awkwardness. And then finally, I think it means that we need to trust that God still moves in the midst of awkwardness. And if we don't trust that, we're all in trouble because you're all a little bit awkward, okay? If God doesn't move in awkwardness, we're all in trouble. But he does. Can we trust that God is going to do something in the midst of that and, and ask God for the courage to step into stuff even if it's awkward? 
Okay, so second thing I think that we're afraid of, and I've talked to a lot of you about this one, and it is the fear of the perception of Christians in culture. The perception of how people might come to, what they might think about you if they were to find out that you're a Christian. So if you're not wearing like a Jesus t-shirt that says like a bread crumb and fish, they might not know right away, but you might eventually say something, that's the hope that you could share, that's a part of you. And you're nervous about how people are going to respond because the perceptions of Christians in culture are like a mile wide, right? They're super different and a lot of them aren't good. And so sometimes we're nervous that if we were to engage with people, they're going to have a negative assumption about us. But here's the thing that I think is so key. We have the opportunity to be perception shapers. We get to be people who show, okay, fine, this is what you saw in the news. Here's about this other Christian you know. I don't know what you, maybe they grew up in the church and they had a bad experience, but you get to be different. You get to be the person that they get to know and express what it means to you to be a person who's received Jesus' love and let it overflow in your life. And you get to be somebody who can change that narrative for them. No matter if you just talk about it a little bit or not. But if it's a fear of ours, we might never do it. And then the, the, ne- the inaccurate or negative perception might continue to go on and on and on. Let me tell you a story from this uh, party that we had in our backyard. So luckily the weather was perfect, thank goodness. So we didn't cram everybody into our tiny house. And there was probably 30, 35, 40 people that came. And five of our neighbors came. So we were so excited. And as they walked up, I grabbed my phone and I'm looking, I'm, I'm trying to remember their names, okay? So I'm thinking we should have had name tags. Nobody wants name tags at a party. Anyway, so... But our neighbors came. We got to know them. And then in came some of our friends we had invited to hear our friends from Colorado play this fun concert in our backyard. Now, the, the people playing the concert are Christians, but their music isn't Christian in that way. But they sang one song that was overtly about Jesus. And they came out in front of their speakers. They sang it a cappella. And it was, they, they shared the story that they wrote this song about their friend's battle with cancer. And it was about Jesus leading through the leading their friend through this battle with cancer, and they sang this song in acapella. And so uh, J.D. had some friends there from so many different walks of his life, and there was this one guy there who has been a part of some of the films that J.D. works on. So J.D. makes films, and he makes the visual part, and usually has somebody help make the audio sound really good. And this guy was one of these people who makes the audio sound really good. And he had worked on a film with J.D. called Out in the Cold. So short plug for Out in the Cold, right? Wife points? Amazon Prime. So, Out in the Cold is a documentary where J.D. and his friend spent time in February outside to try to understand what it's like to be homeless in Minnesota, to be a person experiencing homelessness in the middle of winter in Minnesota, hence the name Out in the Cold, Amazon Prime. That's not the name, but I'm just... So, the point is, is that this guy had been watching this whole film and experiencing the purpose behind it from J.D., and J.D. was honest with him that the motivation for something like this comes from his faith. And so in this conversation, he's never had a conversation like this with this guy. He comes up to him after the concert and he says, man, you know, I have never known somebody who has had the kind of motivation for their compassion and their justice be from what they say a relationship with Jesus. He said, I just haven't known anybody personally whose compassion and justice is motivated by their relationship with Jesus. And I thought, man, we know so many people like that. But this man had never said that he had felt that he had known somebody personally where that was their life motivation. 
And so they got into this good conversation, and J.D. was really honest with him and really open about his story and why he does what he does and why Jesus and the love of Jesus compels him. And just frankly said to him, I think Jesus is here. And that made sense that he said that to him because later he came over to me and he said, you know, this, this feels different here. Like something's feeling different here. And I thought, the kingdom of God has come near. So I didn't say that because that would have been really strange. <laughs> I said, man, like we believe, I said the same, we believe Jesus is here. Yeah, this isn't church, but it is. This is what we're doing today. These people are showing their art and their beauty and God created them talked about it like it was so normal this is what it means to have these opportunities you never know when they're going to happen you never know if it's even happening where you're shaping someone's perception of what it means to be a Jesus follower in a way that they maybe never have heard before never have seen before so the 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 third thing I think we're afraid of and this kind of connects with this last one is we're afraid of having ulterior motives okay um, we haven't actually read, read much from this book, The Art of Neighboring, but I actually want to read something that they say here because I think it's perfect. And I, I put the words up on the screen so you can follow along with me. But these, these uh, writers, Jay Pathak and Dave Runyon, they're pastors, and they wrote this, and I thought this is just so perfect about this idea of having an ulterior motive. Ulterior means something is intentionally kept concealed. An ulterior motive is usually manipulative. It's when we do or say one thing out in the open but intend or mean another thing in private. Ultimate means the farthest journey. An ultimate goal is an eventual point or a longed-for destination. Examples are when a person begins college hoping to become a physician one day, or when a kid starts playing basketball with dreams of one day playing in the NBA. The ulterior motive in good neighboring must never be to share the gospel. But the ultimate motive is just that, to share the story of Jesus and his impact on our lives. There's a big difference. The agenda we need to drop is the well-meaning tendency to be friends with people for the sole purpose of converting them to our faith. Many so desperately want to move people forward spiritually that they push them according to their timetable, not according to how God is working in them. It's tempting to offer friendship with strings attached. We want to be clear. None of these motives are bad in and of themselves. We believe strongly that making a decision to enter into a relationship with God through his son Jesus is the most important decision anyone can make. We believe that Jesus provides real solutions for people and that orienting our lives around him is the best way to live. We believe that Jesus answers the ultimate questions of life and has the ultimate answers for our cities and neighborhoods. Our hope, dream, and desire is that everyone will have a meaningful relationship with Jesus. So sharing the story of Jesus and his impact on our lives is the right motive, but it cannot be an ulterior motive in developing relationships. We don't love neighbors to convert them. We love neighbors because we are converted. And the truth is, many Christians have been taught by well-meaning people that they should do nice things solely for an opportunity to have a spiritual conversation. But Jesus never called us to a bait-and-switch approach where we become friends with people only to share spiritual truths with them. We are called to love people, period. And then they go on to say, that bait and switch thing, maybe some of you are like, I don't totally know what you mean, but if you know what we're talking about, you resonate with that. If that's something that's been a part of your life, we sometimes don't realize how deeply rooted it is in our psyche. And it's almost like we have to really intentionally think, I'm loving this neighbor because this is what Jesus calls us to do. So, we talk about this 
people of peace concept here in Luke 10. You see Jesus saying, it's about whether or not there's peace between you and this person. If the peace is extended and it seems like they're receiving it, step towards it. And if the peace comes back to you, that's okay. You can move on. This is kind of a profound concept if you think about it. You're not on the hook for being friends with everybody. Not at all. Introverts, you're not on the hook to be friends with everybody. Extroverts, you can't kind of know everyone's name and think that that's friendship. We have to all follow this principle of paying attention to whether or not it seems like there's peace. Like, is there a connection there? Is there an ability to make a relationship that maybe wouldn't be there if it wasn't for God potentially kind of doing something between you and them? And when you look for it, you guys, you notice it. You will notice what I'm talking about. And that connects to the, the second barrier that I think we have, which is time. Time is a huge one. I hear this all the time. I'm just going to mention it quickly because I really think there's one, one response we need to have to this, this issue of the time barriers that we have, the time obstacle. Because there's only so much time in your life, right? I think the person of peace concept is the most helpful with this as well. Because you can have people of peace in any space in your life. It doesn't mean you just have to know your neighbors who live next to you. It could be the neighbors you see in all these other spaces in your life. And you're asking, what is God doing? Is God leading me to connect with this person? Not all the people, but this person. You're asking that question on the soccer bleachers as you're watching kids play soccer or at the coffee shop that you go to all the time or in the classroom where you are learning in summer school this summer. Or uh, for me, it's at the boxing gym where I go and work out. But guess who all these people are? They're my neighbors at the gym with me. Maybe it's at the water cooler at work. Loving your neighbor starts with a change of perspective on what you are already doing rather than a change of what you are actually doing. Let me say this again. Loving your neighbor starts with a change of perspective on what you're already doing rather than a change of what you're actually doing. If you take this seriously, you will adjust your schedule in order to be people who live this out. But it starts with recognizing that we are sent wherever we are wherever God might call us to be. And so the second thing under time is the relational overload. I feel like there's full schedule and there's a relationship overload. And this concept that Jesus invites us into of following the peace really helps with both of those things. So finally, the third thing that I think we face, and I, I actually think this is the biggest obstacle that we face, and that is what I'm going to call our identity crisis, all right? Sorry if you are having an identity crisis right now and that was like a trigger or something, but I'm talking about an identity crisis when it comes to the art of neighboring. I think that we struggle to see ourselves as people who are sent ones. We struggle to see ourselves as people who are, our very identity is that we are sent. And the reason I say that is because that's who God is. The Father sends the Son and the Spirit and Jesus sends us with the leadership of the Holy Spirit. If that is who God is and we are made in God's image, then we are sent ones. It's not about doing more missional activities. It's about having a missional identity. And when we, I mean, it's fun that we got flamingos and the bingo and all the things. Like, that's fun. People were awkwardly legalistic about that, though. They were like, so what if I met the neighbor before I got the magnet? Does that count? I mean, I don't know where that's coming from, guys, but it's not about checking things off. That was for fun. It's about who you are. It's about who you are everywhere that you are. At home, at work, where you play. If we are going to do this, we need to take our addresses seriously. We need to take, I heard my friend say this the other day, we need to take our addresses seriously. 
Do you take your addresses seriously? What's the address where you live and where you work? You know it by heart. Do you take it seriously? There's two groups of people right now that are on mission trips, uh, like long-distance mission for a long time, short-term mission, whatever it's called, in other countries right now, that I can't even tell you their names and where they are right now in the world because it's too dangerous to have that be put on the internet with what I'm saying through this microphone. Those people, you guys, are taking their addresses seriously right now. But the call to all of us is not different. The way, the context in which we live out, this being sent ones, sure, it's different when you're sent across the world, but you're sent across the street. You're sent across the cubicle. This is who we are. This is our identity. And if we begin to surrender more and more to who Jesus is in our life, we can start to overcome this obstacle of this identity crisis and begin to say, no, this is who I am. This isn't more stuff I have to add to my schedule. This is who I am, wherever I am. So, I want to have the band come back up, and I just want to have us kind of end this whole experience of the art of neighboring with a couple things, okay? I want us to think about how Jesus says to the scribe at the end of Mark, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And when I think about that, this, this is what fills me with, with wonder, okay? What would it look like to be close? What does it look like to be close to the kingdom of God? And so, basically, I actually have some questions that would help us ask that question. Am I close to the kingdom of God? Not tomorrow, not next week, lifelong. I have these printed out, and you'll be able to grab one after you take communion and take it with you. And I want to encourage you to take these questions and put them up somewhere. I called them lifelong faithful presence questions. Whether you move sometime in the next three years or you live where you're living in the for the next 30, whether you get a new job next week or you're in the job you're in right now until you retire, these are the lifelong faithful presence questions. Let me read what they are. First one, am I taking my addresses seriously? Am I being intentional on mission where I live, work, play? Second, how am I tangibly loving others, taking action to love the people that God's put right around me? How am I caring for the least of these? This is asking Jesus to reveal who is the least of these in my everyday spaces. Who am I eating with? Jesus is always eating with different people, sharing meals with people who are different than us and people who are people of peace. What spiritual conversations am I having? Listening for God's leadership and timing and talking about the good news of the hope you have in Jesus and sharing your own personal story. How do I see God's kingdom shalom or wholeness, peace, growing in my communities? This is looking for the wrong things being made right in our communities and joining in when we see wrong things being made right. And then finally, am I inviting people to join me? Just like you see here in Luke 10. Jesus always brought people with him and always sent people to do things together. So I want to encourage us to have this be kind of the thing. These are the questions that we take with us from this conversation. We're going to continue to have different conversations in this space, but this is a lifelong calling to be people of faithful presence. Who take our addresses seriously. So we're going we're gonna to do a few things to, to kind of respond right now. The first is that we're going to have communion. And so if you've been with us for communion, what people can do is we come down these center aisles and you take the bread and you dip it into the cup. And uh, anybody who's a follower of Jesus is welcome to come participate in that. You don't have to be a member of Mill City Church. And uh, the bread is gluten-free so that everybody can participate. And what I want you to think about when you're taking communion today is just opening up a little more of yourself, like Ashish had us do earlier, to surrender to what God might want to do in this area of your life. 
to surrender to Jesus' leadership in your life, remembering that Jesus' body was broken for us and his blood was shed for us so that we could join in what God's doing in the world. So come up and have that time uh, when you feel ready. And then as you go over here, we've got these canvases that we've had up for the whole conversation. And there's some Sharpies. And what I'd love for you to do is to write one or two first names of some of your neighbors, people you work with or live near, people that instead of having prayer time, uh, people to pray today, we're going to offer as an act of prayer these names to God. Just write their first name on, on the canvas. And we're going to fill these canvases and saying to God, these people, we give them to you and our relationships with them to you. We're going to just follow the peace. We're not going to force it, but we need your courage. Let's write those names on there. And then just grab one of these sheets of paper that are sitting on the, uh, I don't know why there's two pianos in here, but grab one of these sheets of paper and uh, then you can head back to your seat. Let me pray as we go into this time of communion. Jesus, thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. Thank you that you invite us to remember that you've done everything necessary for us to be reconciled to you and reconciled to each other. Lead us and guide us as we step with courage into the, the leadership that you're giving us in our lives as we love our neighbors as ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One of the coolest things that we get to do as a community is send people who feel called to go places. I can't even count how many people we've sent from this city to other cities, to other parts of the world. And some of them come back, thank you, and some of them, God calls them to those other places long-term. But it is just as important that you all know that you are commissioned to be sent in your life. And so to practice the awkwardness a tiny bit, if you're willing, when we pray for people, we usually just lay a hand on their shoulder. So if you're near somebody, just put your hand on their shoulder. Don't be too weird. Okay, so you can do it. You can do it. Yep, there you go. And we, we send people out by laying hands on them. And so I want to commission you all. See, it's not that bad. It's a little awkward. I want to commission you all into your life. The life you're living right now, you are sent once. God, may you send these people into their everyday spaces, knowing that you are with them, that you will never leave them, that you go before them and behind them and watch over them, that you will lead them and place peace between them and those that you called them to love. May they be people and families and missional communities of good news, good news people to a world that desperately needs good news. Jesus, lead us. Let us take on the identity of ones who are sent and made in your image as a God who came and was sent to us. In Jesus' name.